five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the Wisconsin DMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. Luckily, I still have my clock going. Well, I wanted to call your attention, as usual, to the meetup that's coming up next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central Daylight Time. It's, people ask me, is there a way to record it? No, that's silly. <laughs> it's a meetup. It's just fun. We're going to have some fun, and we're going to uh, chit-chat about direct marketing, about direct mail, about what's working for each of us. And we're going we're gonna to try and see if anybody can map out a way to, to, to win back that digital mess that's stealing from our budgets. You know, for 25 years, I've watched young, progressive marketers come in and say, Mail is old-fashioned. Mail doesn't work. Let's get rid of mail. And eh, oftentimes running their company into the ground, if nobody's paying attention, running it out of business. Only to find maybe somebody with wisdom putting it back together again. So we'll talk about, you know, we'll talk about a lot of fun stuff. But uh, mostly just fun. And if you're in the UK, stay up late and you can have a, uh, you can have a pint and join us. If you're on the West Coast, it'll only be noon, so, you know, it's a martini lunch. So go over to WDMA.org, and uh, it's it's there's kind of a – only the background is showing. I might fix it, but we'll try to post it in LinkedIn and get you there, but, you know, who knows if that's going to happen. So wanted to start with that. Okay. <coughs> Yesterday I promised you a great article by Stephen Yu, who is uh, – who is really good. I could do a full session every time he writes an article pretty much. I'm really happy to see that he's still writing. Uh, it's It seems like a little shorter format than it was in uh, when he was with Target Marketing, which they sold out to Adweek. It seems like um, it seems like he's, you know, maybe there are constraints that they have about the, the word length. Um, but I'll take advantage of that because that means that what he leaves out, I can fill in and we can t tag team it. And of course, Steven's been on this show before and he's he can come back and defend himself anytime he wants. So so if you're out there, you just you just know, you just let me know and we'll set it up. OK, so there's so much packed into just this right here. Transaction data is the most powerful predictor of future behavior. And let's go on. let's just dig into it cuz we'll give him a chance. Most customers are predictable. Of course, and there's some ways that they're predictable that they will buy and sometimes predictable that they won't. But the fact is that right off the bat parting with money is a level of engagement that is whether it's 10 cents or a dollar or $20. And I have a really, I think, an interesting article um, that I wrote and then I sent to Brad Parscale, who ran one of the campaigns in 2016. And Brad was a direct marketing veteran. And I called his office, in fact, when he was still there. And they gave me his contact information. And, uh, and I sent it to him. Because I said, this is so crazy that I don't know what to say about it. Um, and it's titled, Direct Marketing is 
was uh, won the election or something like that. And uh, Brad wrote me back, which was nice of him, after reading it. And he said, you were one of the only people who figured out what we did. And what they did was they sold signs and bumper stickers and hats. They got people to part with the money because they felt like the polling was was off kilter. Um, that just asking people what they thought is not the same as getting them to buy. And there's a really profound principle there. And I'll post that one with today's show notes uh, so you can grab it. I think I have it as a PDF or I'll make it into a PDF. Uh, but it's also on LinkedIn. It's one of it's one of the, you know, you have to scroll back. I have about 30 articles up on LinkedIn. When I first started, it was I was getting 2,000 views. And then all of a sudden it went to like 100 when they switched the algorithm. A friend of mine was the VP of marketing. He asked me to... Uh, to put one in and then when he left it's like all my views stopped so i think they have some influence on stuff anyway so one of the key words here is customers if you want to do predictive modeling measuring clicks measuring persistence measuring all kinds of things that we think about as metrics aren't the same not all metrics are equal and getting someone to buy from you is a big deal now that said here's the big problem the big problem is about 60 percent of them will never come back only by once and time goes by and they haven't bought lately and you know they didn't spend much either you know most people are trying you out and that's why even more important than the funnel is probably how you how well you fulfill that order how fast how well how you keep them in the loop just the basics how well do you do the basics so the people go oh yeah that was a good company they did what they said more even than purpose more even than mission all of that uh pales in comparison to why did you ship my order to florida when I'm in Wisconsin, I had that happen just this week. I got a note that it's been delivered, and I looked, and it wasn't there. And then I looked at the tracking information, and it went to Coral Gables, Florida. Well, my guess is that was a vendor mistake. So a customer is something. It's not everything. Most won't come back again, no matter what you do. And in fact, figuring that out is one of the most profound ways to make money for your company. If we can figure out who won't buy again, and we can figure it out early enough in the process, then we can devote more energy to the higher potential ones. So that's a big, that's a big uh, goal in machine learning and predictive modeling. But anyway, Stephen says, movie lovers will stay movie lovers. Uh, early adopters will remain early adopters. Now, what I would say there was, is that, you know, I remember back back in the 80s uh, getting a computer for my company when I was really starting out on my own. And it was a plasma screen. And it was all orange. This was before color screens. And it was the hottest thing on the market. It, it was the it was the fastest. It had the most capacity. And it was about, it was like 
about 18 inches wide, about a foot high and a foot deep. It was it was a, a cube thing. And the screen kind of popped up like that, and then the, the keyboard kind of flipped out. It was big, and it was heavy. And I remember the day or two after I got it, hearing an announcement from, I think that was a Compaq, uh, that a new model was available, and it had like double the memory or something. I don't remember. And somewhere along the way, I figured out that being an early adopter was probably a high price to pay since they were changing all the time. I remember telling a boss about calculators and how they could now get a container load of calculators and decorate them. And he said, well, it's changing too fast. You know, sometimes a person that's an early adopter in one area is not an early adopter in another. And so, and these are the kinds of things that Stephen kind of glosses over. But in spite of all that, behavior data is still better than click data or other things. And uh, what do you mean by transaction data? Well, uh, records of monetary transactions are stronger. Yeah, if they spend money, it's like not just a little stronger, it's like 10 times stronger than opens, clicks, views, calls, visits. Uh, <clears throat> transaction data must answer the following questions. Who bought what product? That's not a simple question either. You know, we had a client not long ago where uh, they tracked they tracked on credit card and but we could we had a hard time figuring out where they were at <laughs> at the time they might have multiple houses now that was the good news the good news was that the multiple houses we could consolidate on credit card a lot of clients don't let us and it was you know we we that's uh, a hard word to say anonymized it I think is how you say it making it anonymous <laughs> anonymized the credit card data but um, and and generated a you know a, a customer number, but the a lot of a lot of clients have given us data where every uh, household is is a unique customer. Some customer some clients give us data where every transaction has a unique customer number. That that's just the way, uh, like the Microsoft um, AX system does that can't help it it always assigns a new customer number what's the point there's no sense in that <laughs> just give it a transaction number try and glue it together but it doesn't glue together it just doesn't glue together and so you have to do a lot of work that way on who who was it and should we have multiple decision makers in a household maybe depends a little depends a lot you know we treat oftentimes we glue the 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 ship twos or the where did they where did they send the stuff they we glue it to one identity we keep track of how much we spent contacting them glue them all together and how much we we got in revenue now that in business to business you know everybody says oh no you have to you have to identify the key decision makers and influencers well you can't and in fact we made some of the mo biggest money we've ever made by pushing together everybody in an office building because I worked in an ad agency and, and my little persona, me, had three business names in two years. We kept changing it to see what would work best. And uh, we were going after designers, graphic designers. And I knew from experience that oftentimes there's like a there's like a, 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 an area of a big city 
of a Chicago, northwest of the Loop, just northwest, where the artists kind of hang out. And I know that they have multiple business names, and they and they're probably doing different work for different people. And and so they may do work under the umbrella of a big ad agency, or they may do work on their own. And you can see that in LinkedIn too. So we decided instead of trying to figure out who's who, we would just figure out whether the building was worthwhile. Plus, we had an abundance of names um, because we were generating hundreds of thousands of leads every every month. And so we just looked and said, well, okay, how many how many mailings did we send into that location and how much business did we get out of it? And that determined the, the potential of that building as, as buyers. And then uh, if we'd mailed somebody a couple of times and they hadn't ordered, we'd, we'd take one of those leads. Thank you for introducing my article in your forum. I have an 800 word limit. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, I know. Oh, well, I'm already too deep, <laughs> Stephen. You know, I always invite authors to come on and correct my mistakes, but you're the first one that's ever done it. So, well done, well done. We got to get you back on here, and you know, we can we can work on this together. I was gonna try and put my book in with this because there's a lot of overlap and a lot of difference. Um, anyway, I'll just go on for a minute. It, we'll, we'll probably stop about here, so we'll probably cover a lot more tomorrow too. Um, how much did they spend? You think? Well, that's an easy one. You know. It's not so easy. And Stephen down below points out that, you know, a, a customer that a customer that spends a thousand dollars but buys it on clearance where there's only 10 percent margin or maybe there's nothing. You know, maybe it's sat around for a long time. So let's say there's 10 percent margin. Yet now you take out the, the contact cost, you take out the cost of goods. Uh, you take out the uh, cost of order processing, and the net is zero. They were worth nothing. On the, on the other hand, you got a, a customer that's bought $100 or $50 a couple of times, and they bought it at full price. And maybe it's a $70 or a 70% margin. And so they'll have, you know, they'll have $150 worth of profit, and they've only spent $300. It's possible. It's very possible, you know, especially in consumer goods where some item, you know, it's not what you, it's like the, the CEO of Toys R Us once said, they said, how do you sell so cheap? He said, it's not how you, what you sell it for, it's what you buy it for. So anyway, that stuff all matters. And Stephen points out below that uh, it's great if you can get discount, but we always take it all the way to, to a, a kind of an EBITDA. So we take out, we take the price and we subtract out the cost of goods best we can find it. And then we take out the um, an order processing cost, and it's a really easy number. Uh, you just take out, you say, what's our non, you know, marketing, non um, merchandise overhead, and divide by the number of orders you process. <laughs> I told George Mosier once that his order processing was $100 an order. He said, no, it's not. I said, yeah, it really is. It's just off the P&L. He said, I think it's about 40, you know. Dick Cabela told me it was like $1.80 or something. <laughs> I said, there's no way it's $1.80. <laughs> anyway, so after the meeting with George, we went back in the other room and I said, well, you know, I'm just going to move it into fixed overhead on this model. <laughs> and the and the uh, controller said, yeah, that's fine. 
<laughs> just tell them it's 40 plus a lot of fixed overhead. You know, the, you can do all this from the P&L, but, but anyway, so how much they spent is not so trivial. When and where was the purchase made? You know, and that's another toughie. It sounds easy, but, you know, yeah, okay, so we made it at retail or we made it online. You know, a lot of times it makes more sense to focus on where where did it go? <laughs> you know, where did it ship to? Uh, like in furniture. I mean, w you know, we would see this pattern of go to the store, go to the web, go to the store, go to the web, and then the neighbor buys it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, everything sounds like it's so simple, but it's not. But it's worth it, and having a lot of ways of looking at it is just crucial, uh, which is why even in our simplest RFM, we have about 25 ways of calculating R, F, and M, uh, and then we get into product categories. So I've gone too long today. Uh, I want you to get this article, so you go to WDMA.org and subscribe, and when you subscribe, that means that we keep in touch. And that's all it means. And we're not very diligent about sending emails, in case you haven't noticed. Uh, we're not going to abuse you, but um, then you can get at the members-only area, which has the show notes every day. So get the show notes, get the rest of this article, because even though Stephen's limited to 800 words now, which he didn't used to be, I don't think, uh, I still didn't get more than a third of the way in. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. While you're there, register for the, the meetup. We have a lot of fun, and we already have more people than we probably can handle. But, you know, not everybody shows up, I admit it. Have a great day. Oh, let me, okay, yeah, we'll do it live. Oh, that would be great. Okay, I will I will follow up on that one, Stephen. I'm, I'm excited to do that. And really great that you chimed in. That's so funny. Okay, have a great day. Bye-bye.